0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let me ask you this morning, if you would, to take your Bible to Philippians and open up to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter four this morning. And we are going to get into uh, just another message about, mess- about missions and understanding what missions is and how it connects with us. And I am looking forward uh, to the passage today. But before we get to it, let me ask you this question. How many of you have a parent that was your main teacher in swimming? A parent taught you how to swim? All right, a handful of you. How many of you, you, you learned to swim from like swim lessons? of you don't go swimming? I'm just kidding. You don't have to tell us. But uh, you know what? Probably you were taught by someone to swim. I remember learning from my dad how to swim. Of course, my sisters tried to teach a little bit, but I think they had an ulterior motive because they wanted to teach me how to drown, not how to swim. But my, uh, my dad would teach me a lot about swimming, and you remember your dad on the, you know, I've used the illustration before, inside the pool, saying, all right, just jump, just trust me, and so you gotta jump to your dad. My dad taught me that. He taught me about diving off a diving board. He taught me how to do a good cannonball, Uh, but one thing my dad taught me that I'm so grateful he did is one day we were swimming. Many of you know I have two older sisters. One is eight years older than me. One's 11 years older than me, and as we were swimming, I was probably like six or seven years old, and my sisters started ganging up on me, and they just started splashing like the fire out of me. And to the point where you're choking, you're not, and your sisters are just laughing. They think it's funny. I'm passing out. They're still splashing. And I remember my dad, he stopped, hey, girl, stop, stop, stop. And he walked over, and he was like, why aren't you splashing them back? Or he swam over, not walked over, swam over, why aren't you splashing them back? I was like, Dad, I don't know how. You know, a little kid splashing. A little kid splashing is just you know, trying to get you away. My dad said, all right, I'm gonna teach you. You're gonna teach me what? I'm gonna teach you how to splash. He said, there's an effective way to splash and there's an ineffective way to splash. You are ineffectively splashing your sisters. I'm gonna show you the right way. I'm like, okay, dad. And so he took his hand and he cupped it and he splashed me. And it was like a tidal wave, like hit me. My dad was already a big man, but that, I mean, he, he, got, he got so much water, you know, and I thought, man, I want to learn to do that. And so my dad said, all right, here's what you do. When you're going to do an effective splash, you cup your hand, skim the top. Don't go way down in the water. You got to skim the top. He said, you'll get enough water that they'll stop splashing you. And he was right, because by the age of 10, my sisters quit splashing me because I had learned and mastered how to have the most impact from my splash. You know, in life, you and I, we are making an impact in this world. I don't care who you are, you are making an impact in people's lives around you. Our church is making an impact. It's making an impact in our community and making an impact in our world. But the question I wanna ask you right now and the question that we're gonna come back to in the end is what type of an impact do you want to make? Like, do you want to be like the little five-year-old that's just splashing and not really doing much? Or do you want to be a person of maximum impact, a person of truly effective impact? We've been learning this month um, through guest speakers. We've been learning through our calls. We've been learning through the preaching of God's word about missions about taking the message of Jesus Christ into a world that is lost and dying and on their way to hell without God. And so we've been challenged each and every week, whether it's through a FaceTime call or through a song or through a message, we've been challenged every week this month about making a greater impact in our world for the cause of Christ. And we learned a few weeks ago that starts here in Moses Lake. Man, I'm never gonna make an impact for the cause of Christ uh, overseas or around the world if I'm not impacting people here. And so a few weeks ago, we were challenged from the book of Romans in chapter number one, that man, the the impact around the world starts with me impacting those within my sphere of influence and my family and my friends and my classmates and my teammates and my coworkers, me desiring to impact people locally. But our impact should continue to further impact around the world. And we as a Christian, you as an individual Christian, Dennis Fountain as an individual Christian, I'm going to desire what type of an impact I make. This morning, we're gonna go to Philippians chapter number four. And what I want us to see today is I want us to see a church made up of believers who were making an impact. The author of the book of Philippians is a man by the name of Paul, all right? He was Saul of Tarsus when we first meet him in the book of Acts in the early chapters. Acts chapter number seven is when we first meet Saul of Tarsus. We learn more about him in Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 1 when it says that Saul persecuted the churches. What does that mean? Well, Saul was one that went out and he, he spoke against Christianity. He actually worked on Christians getting stoned and thrown into prison and many of them being put to death. Saul of Tarsus was against Christianity, but Acts chapter number 9, we learn that Saul was presented face-to-face with who Jesus is. And so Saul personally made a decision to no longer persecute Jesus, but to believe in him and to receive him into his own life. And so Saul of Tarsus would then become a great church planter. He would become a missionary going around and preaching Jesus to anybody and everyone, anyone anyone and everyone that he could. His name was changed to Paul. And Paul is the author of the book of Philippians. He's writing to believers of, uh, uh, of the church in Philippi that he helped establish in Acts chapter number 16. You can go and read about it. And Paul helped start this church with the Philippian jailer and some other people who were believers. And, and later, years later, Paul writes back to them. And if you were to go and read the book of Philippians, I mean, it's a great book. Uh, It's a book about joy, the joy of serving God. It's a book about standing out in the midst of a corrupt culture. It's a book uh, really about faith. It's a book about trusting the Lord. There's just so much in the book of Philippians. But as Paul wraps up the book of Philippians, he lets us in on a little bit of insight through his writing. What does he let us in on? He lets us in on the fact that the church at Philippi was an effective church. They were a maximum impact church. And this morning, what we're going to do just for the next few minutes is we're going to take our Bibles to Philippians 4 and learn from the church of Philippi what an effective church looks like, what a maximum impact church looks like, and really what a maximum impact Christian looks like. So Philippians 4 is where we're at. I'd invite you, if you would, to stand. We're going to read just from verse 10 down to verse number 20 of Philippians chapter number 4. We read these words, but I rejoice greatly, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished or has grown again, wherein you were also careful or filled with care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have done well. You have done well in that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel or when I started in ministry, When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again into my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is writing to these believers. Of course, there's so much in the context of the passage, but the lesson that we're going to learn today is how to be an effective Christian how to be an impactful Christian, how to be an impactful church, not just making a little splash, but causing a tidal wave for the cause of Jesus Christ. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a minute and in the quietness of the moment, would you pray? And would you ask God to speak to your heart? Would you ask God to help you this morning to hear from him in a personal way? Dear Lord, we wanna come before you and we thank you for your love and your care for us. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I'm so thankful that you would allow us freedom to gather and to worship. And so, Lord, as we come this morning in these next few minutes together, I pray that you would help us as we look into your word that we would learn how our lives can make a great impact not only here in Moses Lake, but around this world. God, we know that you wanna use each and every one of us in a profound way. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us today to hear from you exactly what you have for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to this passage this morning, again, knowing that Paul is a traveler of missionary, if you will, a church planter that travels around. He starts a bunch of churches and then he'll leave it with a pastor or some leaders, some elders that would help lead that church. And then Paul would go on to the next town and do it again and again and again. So here's what we kind of need to know about Paul. Paul, like many of our um, missionaries, Paul, like many of our church planters, Paul is one that he had a, he had a career. He was a tent maker But when he went into towns, he couldn't really use his tent making as much as a full-time, he couldn't use it like a full-time job. And so Paul would need to go into a town and he would make some tents or work with leather. But then also he would survive off of other churches and people that would help him along the way. One of those churches that helped him along the way is the church at Philippi. And as Paul writes back to them about how they were used in his life, he helps us get some insight on what an impactful Christian is. I want you to see with me this morning that an impactful Christian, an impactful church, someone who's going to make the maximum impact for the cause of Jesus Christ around the world, first is a concerned church. All right, a concerned church. What does this mean? I want you to look with me at verse number 10. Here's what Paul said. He said, but I rejoice greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Here's what Paul is saying to them. And in all of my travels, I, I wanna write to you that you were an encouragement and I rejoiced because you cared about me. You cared about me and your care has flourished again. What does that mean? Man, your care is growing, but I want you to notice what he says. He says, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. What is Paul writing to them? Hey, church at Philippi, at one time while I was traveling around, word got to me that you guys cared about me, you were concerned for me, but you lacked opportunity to do something about it. You know what? There's a lot of times that you and I see needs that cause us to care, but we too at times have a lack of opportunity. But I would say this today in our culture, in Paul's culture, Paul was encouraged by the care and concern of other believers, but he said, you were concerned for me, but you lacked opportunity. Here's what I'll say about today for us. Many Christians today, we have opportunities, but we often lack the concern. What do you mean, pastor? All right, we're talking about missions. We're talking about church planting around the world. When we hear about uh, youth dynamics or when we hear maybe last week of, uh, I forget who was on our call last week, Jonathan Ballou in our uh, 1030 service, and we hear about what God is doing in Thailand, when we hear our 830 service this morning, hearing about what God is doing in restricted access nations, many of us, we go, wow, man, that is great. Sean, that's great that you're affecting teenagers in our area. Wow, we, get, we have concern, but then, We don't take the opportunity we have. But a lot of Christians, you know what they do? (laughs) We hear something like this and we go, eh, cool, relationships with teens, yeah, cool. We hear about something going on in Papua New Guinea or we hear about a church planter in Canada and people getting saved. We hear about the world that needs Christ and a lot of Christians, you know what we do? We lack concern. We lack concern. We have opportunity. Man, we have a lot of resources at our hands, but a lot of Christians nowadays, we lack concern. Can I tell you this morning, if you and I are going to be an impact, hey, let me just break this down for us. Even here in Moses Lake, if you're going to impact your family for the cause of Christ, you first have to be concerned about your family. You've got to be concerned about the lost around you. Hey, teenager, if you look around you and you look in your school and you think, man, this, this school, these teens, some of my friends, they're messed up. You know what? They need Jesus. If you're going to ever influence them for the cause of Christ, you've got to first be concerned about them. Understanding that people are going to spend eternity in hell without Jesus. And you and I, if you know Christ as your Savior, man, you have the answer. You have the solution in a relationship in Jesus. But you know what we have sometimes is a lack of concern. Let me just say it flat. Sometimes we just don't care. We get so consumed with our own life and our own business. We get so consumed with our own schedule and so consumed with our own priorities and our own philosophy and our own way of thinking that we just don't care about people. You know, the church of Philippi, Paul wrote to them, hey, listen, I'm writing to you to tell you I rejoice in the fact that you are a caring concerned church. You're concerned for for me as the missionary and church planter, but you are concerned for the lost. Hey, can I tell us, church family, if we are going to be a, a church or you're going to be a Christian that makes maximum impact, it starts first at being a concerned Christian, a concerned church. But I want you to see secondly with me today that a maximum impact Christian is an understanding Christian. A maximum impact church is an understanding church. Let's be honest. Whenever anybody talks about money, what do we do? We go, cover up my wallet, cover up my pocketbook. I'm yeah. I don't know who calls it a pocketbook anymore, but you know what? People get nervous when we talk about money. I hear about someone doing fundraising, and immediately my answer in my head is no. Why I like my money. I'm the guy that when I we know this. You look in your neighborhood, and we still have this happen in Moses Lake every now and then. I have about once or twice a year. I have someone with a stack of magazines and a little little uh, briefcase walking in my neighborhood, and they knock on my door and. I open it up. They say, hey, how are you doing today, sir? Am I, like, I'm good. Well, I represent such and such magazine company and we're out trying to get people to subscribe to our magazine, blah, blah, blah. He gives me his spiel and I say, oh, well, tell me, tell me more. What do, you, what do you guys have to offer? And he tells me and I, I'm the guy that pretends like I'm interested. And they're thinking, yes, man, I'm gonna make commission off this guy. And I go, you know, that's something I'm probably gonna have to think about. Why don't, why don't you follow up in a few days? Me knowing in a few days, I'm not gonna be home. How rude is that, you know? I'm the guy when Vivant comes around, Vivint security that comes around and not, I mean, they, I feel like Moses Lake is like on their radar. I get a Vivint person, I mean, every, every couple of months knocking on the door. I'm the guy that's like, oh man, yeah, we've been concerned about security in our area. I'm so glad. I think you should, you should check with all of our neighbors. I, we've been talking, they're probably interested. And he's like, well, what about you? I'm like, no, we're good, I'm covered, Thank you. Why? I don't want to spend my money. I don't want to give my money to things that are not of interest to me. I want you to see with me what Paul wrote to this church because he helps them understand something and us as well that an impactful church is going to be an understanding church. Look, if you would, at verse number 11 down through verse number 13. Paul wrote this. He said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If you would jump down to verse number 17, Paul says this, not because I desire a gift. All right, stop right there. Here's what Paul wrote to them in these verses. Paul is writing to them saying, hey, I'm thankful that you were concerned. Even when you didn't have opportunity, you were concerned. We'll see from the rest of the passage that at this point in time, their concern had met opportunity and they had an opportunity to be a blessing to Paul. And so they sent money to him. But here's what Paul writes to them specifically here. Paul writes to them, I want you to understand what you are giving to and why you are giving to it. He says, I don't write this to you because I'm in, res- in respect of want. I don't write this to you because I desire a gift. Okay, what does all of that mean? Paul is simply helping them and helping us understand, Church of Philippi, I'm thankful that you gave. I'm glad you gave. But you didn't give because you're lining the pockets of Paul. Paul. You didn't get, I I don't want this in respect of want. I'm not saying, hey, please help me. If you don't help me, everyone's gonna die. Paul Paul says, because I I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. What, What is, what's he writing? Paul says to them, I want you to know that when you're giving to me, You're not giving to me, you're giving to what God is doing. And even if you don't give, I'll be okay. And he uses the verse that's misquoted all of the time Philippians chapter 4, and verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, which strengtheneth me. What's he saying? Paul is like, Listen, (laughs) I'm glad you gave but you didn't give to make me rich. I know how to live low and I know how to live high. I know, but here's what I'm telling you. God is behind this and I can do it all because God is going to meet my needs. God is going to strengthen me. Now, how does that help us today in being an understanding church? Here's what I think of today. We need to be an understanding church in recognizing that when we have missionaries like uh, Steve on our call this morning uh, in the 830 service or like Tim Tyler, who we were gonna meet, it just didn't work out, we'll get him back on, or like Sean Salas or one of our other church planters, when they say, hey, would you give to our work? We need to recognize and understand we are not giving so that a Sean Salas can just get a brand new Mercedes-Benz. We're not giving because if we don't give, then the whole thing's gonna collapse. No, you know why we're giving? We're giving because it's the cause of Christ. We're giving because it's making an impact on people. And here's what Paul writes to them. Hey, to be the most impactful church, number one, you've been a concerned church. Number two, you've been an understanding church, knowing who you're giving to and why you're giving. When we give to our missionaries, we're not giving just to further them. We are giving to further the work of Jesus around the world. As a matter of fact, that's even We've talked about that with our church here. When we give to an offering, when we tithe, when we give to these things, our building fund, when we give, do you know what we're doing? We're giving to further the work in Moses Lake. What are we giving to? We're giving to the Lord. Why are we giving? Because of the work of the Lord. Notice third with me today that a most, the most impactful church is gonna be number three, a burden bearing church. A burden bearing church. Notice, if you will, Philippians chapter four, verse 14, down through verse number 16, it says this, notwithstanding that you have done well, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Notice a few phrases. We're gonna kind of dissect these few verses for just a minute. Paul said, you did communicate with my affliction. What does that mean? The phrase to communicate with my affliction means to share or to be a co-participant in or a partaker of my pressure, my struggle, my burden. Then he uses the phrase you've communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. That means to share or to be a co-participant in carrying the burden. Here's what Paul is writing. You have carried the burden with us, not just through encouragement, but in a tangible way. Paul was writing to them, helping them understand that, he says, when I first started in the gospel ministry, Man, I was carrying a big burden, but there weren't a lot of churches that partnered with me to help carry the burden. You guys were concerned and you didn't have opportunity, but then there came a point when you did have opportunity and your concern actually affected your actions. You didn't just have concern with opportunity, you had concern and took the opportunity. You helped carry the burden. You know what, when you and I give to missions, when we partner with outreach ministries, when we give to church planters around this world, do you know what we're doing? We are saying, hey, we wanna help you carry the burden. When I take my faith promise card, when I take my missions giving card and turn that in next week and maybe I'll give 25 a a week or maybe you'll give 100 a month or maybe you're gonna give, maybe it's $1,000 a month to missions, whatever God can do through you. When we do that, here's what we're saying. We're not saying, well, I'm just giving and like, well, sayonara, my bucks, you know, goodbye to my money. Here's what we're saying. God, I see the need and Father, I recognize that you can use my gift to help that missionary, I'm gonna be a burden bearer. You weren't here, those of you here at the 1030 for the 830 call with Steve. And I really wish we had that one with Tim Tyler because a couple questions I asked him of how how does our missions giving help you? We asked Steve this morning, like uh, just how things are going. And Steve gave a report. And then without me even asking, he said this. He said, honestly, Pastor Dennis, Moses Lake Baptist is one of my favorite churches that supports us. He said, we have over 20 churches that help support us. Moses Lake Baptist is one of my favorite. And here's why. He said, because we, but we feel that you guys are helping carry the burden with us. Your letters of encouragement help us. The money always helps. He said, but we always, we always open up a letter and we look at it and we know Moses Lake Baptist Church is behind us. Let me ask you, have you ever had a discouraging time in life? The answer is yes, <laughs> we all have. You ever had somebody during a, during a discouraging time, somebody unexpectedly come up to you and just say, hey, can I take you to lunch? Hey, can I take you, take you to a cup of coffee? A friend that comes up to you and says, hey, I just wanna let you know, I've been praying for you. Hey, here's, here's some money. Take your, take, your friend, take your family out to dinner. Take your spouse out. Hey, here's a couple bucks to buy something on the way home. Man, all of us have probably had that happen. What is that? That is somebody sharing in our burden. Hey, when you and I are going to be a, a most impactful church, it's going to be because we're a burden-bearing church. Because when we give, we recognize, man, we are participating in what God is doing around this world for the cause of Christ. Number four, notice with me today that an impactful church is a fruitful church. We just saw the verse a minute ago, but look at verse number 17 again, because Paul says this, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Not that I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Here's what Paul says. I'm thankful you gave, not because I'm demanding of your giving or I'm craving some sort of profit from you. Paul says, but I'm thankful you gave because it brings fruit or blessings or profit to your account before God. We've heard this time and time again from our church planters and missionaries. Uh, I think of even a couple of weeks ago hearing from Pastor Paul Connor in Vancouver, British Columbia, when on the call, Pastor Paul said, man, someone got saved and he used the phrase, that's fruit to your account, Moses. Lake, hey, you know what happens? When we partner, when we steward, this applies to any area of life. It applies to any area of life. When we steward or partner with God, with anything, God blesses it. When you use your time to serve God, God blesses that. When you use your words to encourage others for God, God blesses that. When I use my money and I give towards missions or towards church planting, when when someone makes a decision from that church in Papua New Guinea or that church in India or that uh, church plant in, in Wenatchee, when God does something there, here's what God says: Hey Moses Lake, this is a I'm going to bless you because of a decision there because you stewarded, you sacrificed, you gave. You're as just as so much a part of this as Micah Bosworth is in Wenatchee, Washington. You say, how does that work? What does the blessing look like? I don't know. I don't know what the blessing always looks like, but I do know that I have a God that doesn't lie. And so if God said, I'll bless you if you use your finances and your time, and I'll bless you if you use your family, I will bless you if you steward what I've given you. If you use it for me, I will bless you. And I don't know about you, but I want God's blessing in my life. And so I need to realize that an impactful Christian is going to be concerned. I'm going to understand what I'm giving to. I'm going to be a burden bearer. And then I'm going to be able to reap some blessings from it. Man, God is keeping an account of how I steward every aspect of my life. So the fact of the matter is this, as we partner with missionaries, church planners, and outreach opportunities through our giving, man, we become a fruitful Christian and we become a fruitful church. But I want you to notice lastly with me this morning that an impactful church, the effective church, is a pleasing and glorifying church to God. Look at these last few verses of Philippians chapter four. Verse number 18, Paul says, I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. All right, so now, now we see the tangible giving Paul has been referencing he says, I've received what you gave and it was an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And now unto God our, uh, God and our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. We may not understand a little bit of the reference in verse 18 and 19 or verse 18 when it talks about a sweet odor before the Lord. Let's think back to uh, the Hebrews and uh, the law that was given to them of offering animal sacrifices to God. This is Old Testament. You can go and read about it in the book of uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy you can read, but Here's what it was, God was asking the people and all of it was a picture of Jesus to come and to die for our sins, but God would ask the people to offer sacrifices for different things in their life. And a sacrifice was taking something that meant something to you, taking an animal that meant something to you and then offering it, saying, God, I give this to you. I recognize it's from you and I give it to you. And God would say of those offerings, I am well pleased by this. God would say, this is something that is a sweet, it's like a a sweet odor in my nostrils, God said in the Old Testament. He said, man, it's just like something beautiful in in my life when my people sacrifice and do something for me. Here's what Paul compares that to. Paul says, when you give, Church of Philippi, when you gave to me, it was just like a sacrificial offering in the Old Testament, God is pleased. Pleased. We have to know this morning that in every area of our life, when we give to the Lord, when we sacrifice, I'm not talking just about finances. When I say, God, today is yours. God, this, my, my actions at my workplace today, God, I just want to be used to you. I just want to glorify you. You know what God says? I'm pleased by that. Why? Because we're recognizing I am not my own. I am bought with a pride. Everything that I have belongs to the Lord. And so God, I wanna use what you've given me. I want to use it for you. God, here you go. Here's me offering my family to you, Lord, saying, God, be in my family. Help me to be the husband, the wife that you want me to be. God, help me to be the student you want me to be. What am I doing? I'm partnering with God, and God says, hey, that is pleasing to me. When we give of our money and of our finances to be a blessing to church planners around this world, God says, that is pleasing to me. And then Paul wraps up by saying, now unto God, our And our Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Paul is simply just referencing the fact that all of what we do is for the glory of God. All of what we do is for his name to be lifted up. And so he helps them understand that our gift is pleasing to God and it brings glory to God. And we can learn so much about giving in these verses. We can learn that our giving is seen by God. Hey, when you give anything to the Lord, God sees it, God blesses it. I love verse number 19. My God shall meet, uh, uh, look at verse number 19. I'm gonna misquote it. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is he saying? It's a connection back to verse number 13. Hey, God will take care of you. Sometimes we think this, well, I don't have time to serve God. I would encourage you, use your time in a day, give God part of your day and watch what God does. I don't know about your life, but I know for me, there are some days where I'm thinking, well, I just don't, I don't have time to do that for the Lord. I don't have time to, to, to spend some time in the Bible. I don't have time to do that. And the days that I think that and just kind of punch through my time in the word, I don't really spend time there. I just kind of skim it. Those are the days I get to the end and I'm like, man, I, I have so much undone today. But man, there's times in my life when I stop and I really spend some time with the Lord in the morning and I get to that night and it's like the Lord gave me extra time in my day. Now, how does that work? I don't know. I just know that God says, hey, when you partner with me, I'll bless it and it will be something that I see and I will take care of you. And then we see thirdly today that our giving ultimately is glorifying to God. When we open this book, when we open to Philippians chapter number four, you know, there's a lot that we can learn from the book of Philippians There's so much more that could be said. But today, I just wanna wanna take the end part of this letter that Paul wrote to the believers at Philippi. As he writes to them that they were a concerned church, they were an understanding church, they were a partnering or a burden-bearing church, and they were a fruitful church that's pleasing and glorifying to God. I just wanna ask you, what... What type of a church do you want to be? What type of a Christian do you want to be? How many of you like skipping rocks? You like skipping rocks on water? You ever just, take, you ever just taken a rock and just thrown it in water and watched the ripple? Here's what's something you'll, you've learned probably about the ripples in water. The smaller the item, the smaller the ripple. The bigger the item, the bigger the ripple. So if I take a handful of sand and I just throw it in the water, not much is gonna happen. But if I take a boulder the size of the pumpkin, if I take a rock and I just go like that, man, there's gonna be a big ripple that takes place. You know, I'd say this morning is there's a lot of Christians. There's a lot of Christians that are just living a sand Christian life. They're not making much impact they're not concerned about the lost. They're, they're not understanding and stewardship. They don't bear the burden of others. There's a lot of Christians, they're not even reaping fruit because they're not, they're not uh, involved. We're living in sand Christian lives. There's a lot of churches like that. But you know what, today I want our decision to be is God, I don't wanna be a Christian that leaves a small ripple. God, I wanna be a Christian that makes an impact. God, I want our church to be a church that makes an impact. And today, if that's gonna be you or me, it starts with concern, recognizing stewardship and understanding who we're partnering with, bearing the burden of our church planters and missionaries by sacrificing and giving. And then ultimately, we reap the blessings of God saying, I put fruit to your account. I will take care of you. And I promise that you are pleasing to me and glorifying to me when you partner with me. So my question to you today, to our church today, is what kind of impact will my life cause? Hey, this week, this week you're gonna have a lot of time to steward for God, some finances, words, relationships. And if you're gonna be a Christian that makes a great impact in those around you, it's gonna start with concern. Are you concerned about people? In our missions giving, are we concerned about the lost? And then it's me choosing, God, my life will be an impactful Christian life. But maybe today you're here and you don't know if you died that you'd go to heaven. You don't know that Jesus Christ is in your life. I would ask you the question Have you received Jesus into your life? Do you know for sure if you died today you're going to heaven? If you're here this morning and you don't know that, today, could be the day that you get that settled, that you put your faith and your trust completely in him. And if you're here this morning, you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. You've never received him into your life. Today, during our invitation, we invite you to receive the Lord, even in your chair. You say, well, what do I do? It's just recognizing that you're a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross for you, was buried and rose again. And that Jesus says, all you need to do is put your faith and your trust in me in Jesus Christ. So today, if you're here and you've never received him, I would invite you to make that decision this morning.